Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
What in the flying fuck is that? The group gathered around the modest breach in the wall and stared at the Goliath thing casually strolling the ruins. It looked around with certainty, like a child playing hide-and-seek, knowing their opponent resided somewhere nearby. Suddenly, Wesley began to see details he hadn't before, as if his eyes had somehow focused and zoomed in on the creature. He could see every horrible, granular detail. The thing now sported bulging pustules all over its body, pus leaking from them like lava dripping from the mouth of a stirring volcano. The flies that once served as a veil had shifted into a cloak-like accoutrement, their buzzing song still filling the air. Its face was a contortion of rotting teeth and glaring eyes, viscous liquid streaming from its tear ducts. Gnarled hands ended in deathly ebon claws, which clicked ominously as the thing sauntered about. The whole thing seemed covered in some kind of pox, rashes, and angry lumps that decorated its hideous physique. But while the creature exuded grotesque sickliness, its body was paradoxically muscular and chiseled, bearing the figure of an otherworldly Olympian. Its fly-like wings suddenly folded upon its back, and strange chitinous spikes began to form across its arms, leaking some kind of green iridescent fluid. It let out a vociferous bellow, its inhuman voice careening through the night air, almost causing the stars to wince. What the hell is it doing? I don't know, but I don't fucking like it. It clearly knows something's been here. Vorin, I thought you said these fucking things were dead. Simply based on what I see, that is not Nerithan. It's not wearing a mask. Well, maybe it took it off. Look at its face. It's ugly as fuck. The Erethin were not simply ugly. Their visage was madness-inducing. We wouldn't be alive, or at least sane, if we were looking upon the face of a true Erethin. At least, that's what the legends say. The group began to shake, the weakened stone of the structure groaning for the shifting earth beneath. Small pebbles rained down on the group like the sprinkles of a rainstorm. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ! What the fuck is that? To call what emerged from the ground outside large would be an understatement, as the behemoth broke from the earth as a whale breaches the ocean surface. The hulking thing's arms were like knotted tree trunks, bundles of muscle intermingled with protruding bone horns. All across its skin were boils and rashes, some bleeding like waterfalls onto the ground. Its head was a jigsaw, misplaced eyes, bulbous bone protrusions, mouths with razor-sharp teeth traveling up the sides of its head, as if Picasso had painted a portrait of hell itself. Once the massive creature lifted itself from the giant hole it created, it must have been 15 feet tall, if not just as wide. Wesley could see strange bugs dripping from its mouth, pooling like writhing maggots onto the ground below. It hefted up a body, not unlike some demented kind of centaur, its back covered in decaying flesh, rivulets of yellowish fluids running down its sides, giving the impression that it bore stripes. A hurricane of flies accompanied it as it walked up to the smaller figure, who was still lurking the grounds. Then... Two more figures entered the scene, perching atop the rotting shoulders of the looming behemoth. For 
From what Wesley could tell, they were female and seemed to be attached by one of their arms. As with the other beings, they reflected a wicked kind of pestilence. They were sleek, almost anorexic, their veins visible blue rivers crawling up and down their pale skin. The wings on their back were more draconic, their leathery skin punctured in various places, infection having set in long ago. Their faces held strange abrasions, scarring them, and their needle-like teeth shone brightly in the moonlight when they smiled. Blood leaked from their eyes and mouths, as if they were in a constant state of hemorrhage. Their flesh was peeling off in places, reminding Wesley of wallpaper in some decrepit, water-damaged home. You gotta be shitting me! Look at these fucking freak shows! Jesus, how the hell are we gonna get out of this? What's he doing? At first, Wesley didn't know what the voice was referencing. But then as he pulled his eyes away from the morose scene below, he saw Moffat. Unlike the rest, he wasn't looking at the monstrosities below, but instead watching the sky, carefully. Before Wesley could inquire, a monstrous voice rang out from below, rattling the already precarious bones of the building. I can smell you. Taste your fear. It wafts in the air like so much filth. You have transgressed, meager ones, upon the grounds of our bygone masters. Hiding will do you no good, I'm afraid. For these lands speak to us, tell us their secrets, whisper to us with their black tongues. Come out so that we may have words. It was the one that had arrived first, trying to coerce the group out of hiding. But instead, the group stood perfectly still, the thump of their heartbeats almost audible. Unless, of course, you are servants of the Prince of Snakes. If so, stay where you are. We will relish hunting you down. But in the meantime, know that whatever hells you might think await you pale in comparison to the horrors we will deliver to you when found. This, I promise. At that last declaration, the thing burst into a cloud of flies and began to search the neighboring structures. The behemoth began to meander between the buildings, paying little attention to the facilities he knocked over or demolished. The Siamese twin creatures quickly flitted atop the rooftops, dashing into the gaping vacancies of the decrepit buildings. Fuck! What the hell do we do? It's just a matter of time before they find us. No offense to you, Riva, but I don't... I don't think you can take these things on alone. Riva's face was one of disagreement, but he stayed silent nonetheless. Well, one thing's for sure. We can't stay here. We'll need to keep on the move, find a way out of here. While the group argued about what to do, Wesley noticed Moffat lingering at the hole in the wall, still staring up at the sky. Then, just as he was about to get Moffat's attention, the eccentric man abruptly turned around and addressed the group. We must survive for about 15 minutes, at which point there will be a window of time where we can make our escape to the giant cave over yonder. There was a certainty in Moffat's voice, almost as if he were giving orders. He walked over to his lamp, picked it up, and began towards the door. What happens in 15 minutes? Time reveals all things, Dr. Morrigan. You'll just have to trust me. Great. Oh man, I knew we'd have to go into that fucking cave. Perhaps you're a seer after all, Salvador.
Yeah, yeah. The men made their way down the crumbling stone steps of the three-story structure, careful to make as little noise as possible. Wesley felt like the various masked statues were watching them, spies for the four horrors lurking outside. As they made it to the bottom floor, Riva took the lead and peeked out the front door, careful to muffle its creaky voice. He signed back to the group, who stood waiting with bated breath. Riva says they haven't made their way this way yet. If there was a time to move, it would be now. The group silently acknowledged the advice and snuck out the exit, moving to the side of the building where they congregated beneath the shadows of a neighboring structure. They clung to the wall like spiders, shimmying towards the back of the building. A burst of stone and glass exploded where they'd just been hiding, as the rummaging of giant hands pulled out the contents of an ancient and ruined room. Wesley and his compatriots ran past the next few buildings, keeping to the silhouettes of wicked architecture and looming statuary. Then, another voice shattered the night, one only a couple hundred yards away. Slippery little things you are, scurrying like rats from a sinking ship. But I have things that scurry too. Perhaps they can find you quicker than me. A horrendous sound echoed throughout the night like a giant organic pump wrenching something from the depths. The sound of something colossal retching assaulted the group's ears. And then the sound of wet clicking, like thousands of chitinous little legs were ambling en masse. Wesley hesitantly turned around to see a flood of cat-sized bugs. All a cross between a maggot and a spider, covered in yellow sebaceous fluids, their pincer maws open and ravenous. Holy fucking bejesus, what the... What, what are those? Run, you fucking idiot, run! Or push down one of your idiot friends to slow the things down! Christ, you really are a piece of shit! The group sped up, running down the collapsed arteries between buildings and through ruined courtyards. Still, the horde followed a carpet of glistening pestilence scampering on the heels of its prey. The voice came again. Run all you like. Your middle legs will wear, and your lungs will exhale their last breath. Then, they will pick you apart and bring you back to me in little red pieces. And that will only be the beginning. <laughs> the host of demonic insects was catching up. In a moment, Wesley turned and saw one of the thrashing things leap toward him. The world slowed down as one of the arachnids was on a collision course with his face. At the moment he thought was his last, he felt himself flying through the air and through a door, sliding across a broken marble floor. He only saw the short coattails of Moffat's ridiculous Victorian suit pass by the threshold, realizing he had pushed him at the last second through the door of an abandoned building, saving him. Seconds later, he heard machine gun fire and the hellish words of Riva's maledictions. He could only hope it stemmed the tide enough to give them time to escape. But, knowing Riva, he would stay until every one of the creepy crawly things was dead.
Wesley got up and brushed himself off. The building was yet another homage to dark things. The masked masters of the place carved in stone relief, looking out over eons. The chamber was more decorated than the room they were previously held up in. Ornate furniture benecking the place. A giant wall of books going all the way to the vaulted ceiling to his left. He couldn't help but think how elated Vorin would be to see such a thing. What the fuck are you waiting for, fool? It's only a matter of time before they find us. Keep moving. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, your archenemy just saved our asses. There's no such thing as a selfless act to a Moffat, little Wesley. Oh, and you're just a beaming example of altruism. I admit what I am. Revel in it, even. You'll find no pretense for me. I'm happy to. The sound of stone, glass, and wood breaking sundered the moment. And before Wesley could turn to see the source of the noise, he felt his shoulders get punctured by two sharp talons. Which then suddenly withdrew, the momentum of the attack flinging him through a nearby wall. He lay on the floor for a second or two, and flipped his broken body over to see what had hit him. At first, there was nothing but a floating nebula of dust and falling debris. Then, a figure was atop him again in the flash of a moment, her two disease-laden faces directly in his. What have we here? Such a scrawny, sinewy little thing, broken by a little push. That brat prince must be hard up for help. I'll see him face down in the mud one of these days. His betrayal will never be forgotten. And with his blood, we'll raise back our dead mothers and fathers. But in the meantime, you'll have to do. The conjoined abomination slammed Wesley's head against the floor with her mangled clawed hand, cracking the marble, perhaps his skull. Then she leaned down again to his ear. We were hoping for a bit more sport. Hmm. You're certainly not what we expected. But plucking the legs off a bug can be just as fun. <laughs> Wesley tried to push her away, but she only grabbed his wrists, almost breaking them with inhuman strength. Then he began to feel sick, a kind of hot lethargy and nausea he'd never felt before. Wesley saw boils rise up on his arms, filling with pale, viscous fluids. Then he could feel his eyes and nose bleed, his vision becoming a sanguine blur. He began to scream, his stomach about to send whatever contents were broiling through his mouth. Finally, he felt his temperature skyrocket, beset by an otherworldly fever. Do you feel that? That's the vengeance of our forebears, bubbling upon your skin, coursing through the little roads crisscrossing your body. Their wrath is infinite, transcending the grave. All the prince's children will feel it, suffer it, fall to it. This, I promise. As Wesley felt his consciousness wane, he felt another start to emerge. Not so much in place of him, but besides him. There was a moment when flashes of eons pass, wars millennia old, flew before his eyes. An eternity of blood, killing, and debauchery flooded his mind. He suddenly felt his arms swell and change, his once scrawny limbs bulging with muscle and blackened, soot-like skin. The hands that were once crushing his wrists now could barely maintain their grip, and thick, writhing tentacles from somewhere on his body began to wrap around the arms of his assailants. 
The demoness's face turned from smug to horrified, as Wesley, or whatever he had become, lifted from the ground, holding the creature up in front of him, her conjoined body spread, her arms outstretched before him. Let me go, creature. What are you? Something tells me you girls have spent too much time together. I think it's time you spent some time apart. <laughs> the monstrosity that was once Wesley began to pull on the thing's outer limbs. The sound of her bones cracking and skin tearing was almost louder than her screams. Almost. At last, the twins were separated, their conjoined arms splitting in an explosion of cartilage, bone, and blood. A fireworks of gore that splashed across the walls, floor, and Wesley himself. The twins, one now in each demonic hand, lay limp and moaning. He then looked down at the both of them. Is that all your forebears' vengeance can muster? <laughs> Remind me where the rotting corpses lay so that I might piss on their graves. <laughs> With those last foul words, the monster that was now Wesley whipped one of the sisters through the side of the building and into another structure. and then heave the other back up through the stone ceiling from which they came. Wesley, or whatever he was, stood there for a moment, beholding the abomination that he was. Hulking black tentacles stretched from his body, and his arms were thick and inhumanly muscled. Long ebon claws adorned his overly long fingers. But the horror show only lasted a few moments as he felt himself shrink back down, his extra limbs receding, his arms shriveling back to the modest size of a food-impoverished professor. Then, before he knew it, he was back to normal, frozen in awe and fear. Move, you fucking idiot, before more come! You and I are gonna have a long fucking discussion when we get out of this. You're welcome, you ungrateful twat. Wesley exited the building from the door he was once shoved through. Once out, he ran over the corpses of hundreds of smoldering demonic bugs. The work of Riva, no doubt. Wesley had yet to learn where they had gone, but figured following the path of insect corpses was the best way to find out. So he speedily followed the path of death until the ugly little things dwindled. He was near the titan pillars and statues leading to the massive cave, but still saw no sign of his friends. Then he heard the ring of an automatic rifle and the utterances of a hellborn voice somewhere by a massive crumbling monolith, its base wide and circular, the pylon atop it adorned with giant alien symbols. He immediately ran toward the commotion, hoping it wasn't too late for his friends. As he went, he tried something. Wesley outstretched and flexed his arms, tried moving parts of his body that he hadn't before but nothing happened. Help me here, goddammit! They're in trouble! Sorry, Wesley, but I don't give a fuck about your little friends. They'll have to fend for themselves. God damn you! I'm sure he would, if he were real. <laughs> when Wesley finally arrived on the scene, he could see that his friends were in a face-off with the pestilence-spreading fiends. Riva looked taxed and was bleeding from his face and arm as if he had been taken for one too many rounds. Salvatore and Vorin were behind him, the barrels of their guns smoking like the cherry of a lip cigarette. In the back was Moffat, again looking up towards the sky, an expression of calm defining his face. 
The man made of flies and the behemoth were standing opposite the group, the bigger one's skin still a frame from some terse words from Riva, no doubt. But the pair seemed no worse for wear, looming over the group like rotting gods. The Siamese twins were nowhere to be seen, however. Wesley quickly joined the stalwart group, Vorn and Salvatore acknowledging him with a quick nod, Riva still staring holes into the two diseased monsters. Finally, the man of flies, now in a more solid form, spoke. Is this all our royal princess to offer? Curses and primitive weapons? Why, I thought his acolytes were of sterner stuff. It seems time dwindles all things, and his grip upon the land has become weak and flimsy. But why come here, to the site of his betrayal, the place where he slew those he owed his life to? You will tell me what you want here, and then we will scatter your bodies across our master's resting place. Flowers for the grave. Why does everyone here insist on talking to us when it's clear we don't understand the fucking word they're saying? Wesley, what's this ugly fuck yammering about? Uh, they think we're followers of the Prince of Snakes and want to know why we're here. Then, you know, they're going to basically kill us. Tell them we are not acolytes of the Prince of Snakes, and that we'll gladly leave. Yes, I'm sure that'll work. Moffat suddenly broke through the group and sauntered up in front of Riva as if there weren't two monstrous creatures bent on ripping them apart. He had that smug smile on his face, the one he displayed when he was about to demonstrate his superiority over whoever happened to be the target of his ire. I doubt you repugnant things can understand me, but I do so enjoy the sound of my own voice, so I will continue on as if you can. You see... While you've been floundering around this graveyard of your previous benefactors, who I'm quite glad are dead, by the way, you've been unaware of a mounting threat. Quite ironically, you've had the right enemy in mind, just the wrong people. Ignorance is such a debilitating condition, I can't imagine having to suffer it. Such is the plight of one not born a Moffat, I suppose. Anyway... I believe if you turn to your left, Moffat pointed and the creature's heads followed, you'll find you have some company. I hear the one is quite apt at storytelling, and the other, well, he's kind of the stormy sort. Just then, a familiar voice rang in Wesley's ears, one he had tried hard to forget. And through the swamps and forests they traveled, remiss of their wandering ways. A black sun ever shining its shadows for all the rest of their days. Wesley and the rest of the group looked to the horizon, where they saw a tall robed figure dragging what seemed to be a library of books bound by lengths of entangling chain. Behind it was a vague figure in the center of the most horrible storm they'd ever seen. Outlines of giant screaming faces accompanied the tumult, and shrieks the likes of which they had never heard accompanied the blustering thunder. Holy shit! It's that thing! The, the, the thing that killed everyone at the base! The two creatures who were once bent on killing the small group of men now turned their attention to the encroaching threat, a look of both glee and recognition in their eyes. Moffat unhooked his lantern from his belt and turned to face his compatriots. Gentlemen... Our window of escape. Shall we go? Moffat began to walk in the direction of the giant cave, 
the group, awestruck by the man's actions, could only follow, hurrying as the sounds of a massive battle between devils commenced. Grimland is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Stephen Anslone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about Grimland and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythologies, stories, and more. For more information about Grimland and the world of Maltopia, visit us at maltopia.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.